Steven Dorf, I'm auditioning for Parappa the Rapper. That's <laughs> when that onion kicks your ass out of the dojo. <laughs> if you want to test me, I'm sure you'll fry. Whatever we done here, I got the part right here. We go. Stardom for Dorf. <laughs> I'm gonna be t- I'm gonna be top line, right? Top build, Parappa the Rapper, Stephen. <laughs> Stephen Dorf is Parappa the Rapper. <laughs> Just him going kick, 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 punch, turn, kick, kick it, punch. It's all in the mind. Yeah, you're doing I fine. Had, <laughs> I only played the demo to that, so it only had the Onion guys. <laughs> oh, That's the no. only song I know of it. Of of Parappas, Stephen Dorse rap career. <laughs> oh man, him and Jeremy Renner should team up and make a super group. Kick, Parappa kick, and the kid. Kick 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 punch punch punch. Saga, you know we keep it groovy. We talking cartoons, books, TVs, and movies. A couple of nerds, but got style. We so cool. Pop culture, talking new and old school. Yeah, you should know we love hip hop from the roots. Ty Lib, shout out to Feral Munch. We giving you what you want. It don't get no live. I ain't no doubt we got you. This is Pop Saga. Let's go. Oh yeah, you heard right. This is a lifestyle. Welcome to the nerd life. Pop Saga. It Follows was the surprise indie hit of 2014, so much of a surprise that I've never seen it till now. The story follows Jay, played by Mike uh, Monroe, who has had the unfortunate encounter that has left her on the run, or casually brisk-paced walked for her life. Enlisting the help of the Scooby gang, will they be able to stop the entity from, filling, from fulfilling its evil task? Written and directed by David Robert Mitchell, this horror movie has it all. A synth soundtrack, large sweeping shots, water, and naked dudes on a roof. I am John, and I am also joined by Force, and we are both neighbors that don't want any of this mess. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we're the neighbors in that movie who were just like, turn the lights out, turn the lights out, just pretend like there's nobody home. Yeah, close the blinds, turn the lights, uh, <laughs> then crack the blind and see what's going on. We're nosy neighbors, <laughs> but we don't want anything. We're like... No. We're like watchers, like Watu. We're just watching, but I don't want any of that hot mess. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. No, I would not want to get involved in any of the the events depicted in this movie. Too spooky, and, uh, I mean, does this movie taps into such a primordial fear? Of walking? Yeah, definitely. Uh, yes. Not a God. fan of it. Just, like, a <laughs> moderate exercise. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, the chills. Yeah, now literally, <laughs> I some call it sweat. I call it bone curdling chills as I'm trying <laughs> to walk around the block. I don't care for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, <Mm-mm. laughs> all past things. <laughs> uh, you're saying the entity comes after you and it is is walking wherever you're going. It's just walking towards you. Mm, okay, mm, well, where is yeah. it? All right, I'm just gonna go say hi. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Wait, it's half a block. Eh, I'll wait till it gets closer. Yeah, I'm just gonna wait here. It'll get yeah. here eventually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I can see it. It's a really creepy, staring old woman. Um, just kind of giving me this thousand yard stare. Uh, I deserve this. Yeah, but I think 
I think eventually what I would do is either like either go live in a lighthouse or mm-hmm. you um or like just just make just make your own fun. You know, sometimes you have like a bad situation in your life and you just got to make your own fun. And so I would just get into my car and I would let it it fall. I would let it get real close. I'd have the car stopped and then I would just speed up. <laughs> oh, you almost got me. <laughs> Just keep fucking with it. I mean, you might as well, right? Because eventually it's going to catch up to you. So just enjoy it. Like, literally enjoy the ride. Yeah, fucking max out your credit cards. Go buy that shit you never thought you should buy. Go eat, you know, go go get you some Wagyu, you know? Eat a nice steak. Dine and dash. What the fuck are they going to do? Come after you? You got to all-knowing, all-powerful entity just constantly pursuing you at a very leisurely pace mm-hmm yeah you know it's like it's like um the now sort of uh blacklisted for a good reason uh character the cartoon character Pepe Le Pew. uh you know it, good good riddance Pepe Le Pew. it never liked your cartoons uh anyway i don't know if i ever met someone who was like Pepe Le Pew is my favorite character <laughs> but well i mean if you did then you were kind of like sus on that person you know? right <laughs> yeah, a little not a, not you deserve a, a little eyebrow mm. yeah not mm. a daffy fan no like, bugs porky i mean sylvester and tweety like there's so many more you 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 landed on pepe Le Pew. yeah that was your but first he choice. Ha- that was his that was his shtick was the the walk of somebody, the slow driving walk of somebody who has confidence that they will catch you regardless of what you try to do. Yeah. The original monster, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, David Robert Mitchell. Is this just a, a Looney Tune? Did you make a movie out of a Looney Tune that scared you when you were a kid? Well, I mean, there's some uh, there's some bonker shit in here, so I, I want to say yes, I think he did. <laughs> he may he very well may have. Yeah, he's a, like, I'm a fan of, I love Pepe Le Pew. <laughs> sure. I'm going to ask him if he ever does a Reddit AMA, I'll ask him. Was, was... Was it follows really just the Pepe Le Pew vehicle? Like you were hoping to get like a sequel and you know, <laughs> see him just like prancing down the, you know, live action Pepe Le Pew movie. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, it it's funny. Similar. Yeah, it's pretty, it would be, it's like, it's so yeah, he takes this movie and then he goes to Warner Brothers and he's like, listen, I'm the guy to direct your Pepe Le Pew uh, feature. Uh, just look at this. I'm like, oh my god. Get out of here. Wait a minute. Is that a naked guy on the roof? I get where you're coming from now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, you lost me, and then you had me. You reeled me right back in. Yeah. You reeled me right back in. Yeah, Yeah, so this is, like you said in the intro, this is a movie that you haven't seen, and I think uh, I think anybody who knows us would have thought that this would have been opposite. This would have been a movie I hadn't seen. It, this and, is literally like the second movie in a row where I'm like, what is, what's wrong with Forrest? He's like I'll horror tell movies you. and shit. 
I'll tell you. After uh, and this is uh, let me just this uh, this is not a joke at all. This is 100% serious, but I after the you know the I mean we're still in it, but after this pandemic started and all the stuff that happened, scary movies do not scare me anymore <laughs> because I feel like I have uh you know, I have felt the icy grip of death, um, you know, just giving me a nice massage saying, I'm out there, I'm out <laughs> there, I'm outside, come on outside, I'm out there around other people. And uh, I feel like I've, I've stared at him in the face in his craggy, dumb face with his stupid sockets, and uh, and yeah. The, the 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 flights of fancy the spooky flights of fancy which i used to uh, disdain so much have have are now mere child's play well uh good yeah I'm sure i'm I, part I, of I me guess. is dead inside and yeah. so because of the scary pandemic and so now i can watch scary movies so i guess you know what there's a silver lining to every cloud I feel like that's a win yeah i think that's a win i might take it i mean i don't enjoy the fact that that it took a, a worldwide pandemic <laughs> to get you to that point. Sure. But, I mean, we might as well take advantage of it. But the fact that, like, you, you've, you come out the gate and you're just like, us, boom! And then you're like, it follows, boom! And I was just like, <laughs> whoa, you don't want to do, like, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? You're like, F that! It follows, boom! Yeah. I mean, this, this was, you know, because I saw this movie back in uh, 2014, uh, or maybe 25th, shortly after it came out on, um, you know, streaming after it, it premiered. And um, it was one that my wife definitely had to convince me to watch because I didn't initially want to watch it because it looked very scary and it, it ended up being quite scary. Um, but also it's more my speed when it comes to like scary movies. I like movie. I like scary movies that have like a in, like building sense of dread rather than a bunch of jump scares or cat scares or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Not me. <laughs> you're, you're a kind of person... Actually, <laughs> I was thinking about this as I watched this uh, over again, and I was like, oh. Oh, no. This... <laughs> I may have picked a a movie that is like uh is very I don't know it would be kind of a movie you wouldn't in, like because it is sort of playing on your fears in a way that is effective but maybe not pleasant. Uh, yeah, I like how <laughs> yeah that's my Jay Leno now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you uh, you, uh, you hear about this um uh, you hear about this Britney Spears um <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna make a boy taste joke yeah, yeah. um yeah, you know it's, it's, she's a little girl and I'm a bro- I'm a grown man and I'm uh I'm gonna I'm gonna make a joke at her expense <laughs> yeah. I don't know that's yeah my, no, that's my letter yeah you took it to a dark place like this movie um <laughs> so you know like I mean I guess if I had to really think about like horror genres that I enjoy, you know, I prefer just, you know, good old slasher because you just kind of know what you're up against. It's, it's over the, um, 
you know, over, usually over-the-top violence, you know, just something that just like, oh, this is so ridiculous. And so I'm not really into, like, ghost or spirits-based horror movies. If they're good, I mean, obviously I watch them, but usually I hate them because, you know, it's like, oh, the ghost just wanted his, you know, the house back. Once you leave, the ghost <laughs> will leave you alone. You're just like, this is it? I gotta move out of my fat palatial house because this ghost wants it back and that's how it stops? Or Fucking like, inconsiderate ghost? Yeah, or, you know, the ghost has been wrong, so then you have to go right the wrong for the ghost. Of, you know, it's just... Usually they feel very formulaic. So, I will say that this one was a, a nice relief from that. Um, but, you know, it, when I saw it, it was nothing that would make me go, I should go check this out. You know, like, I, I, I had <laughs> sure. no wanton desire or need to feel like I've had to see it. Um, you know, my friend Michael was, uh, he actually watched it with me this morning. That's when I checked it out. Um, nursing a hangover. Um, so, it, but he knows my <laughs> horror movie tastes very well. And he's like, eh, I think you might like it. And I was like, mm. <laughs> so it was a lot of back and forth, but, um, you know, it was a movie and, uh, that I can, I can definitely see the, uh, the overwhelming sense of dread that you're looking for. And that's funny because <laughs> I like the detachment from horror movies. So I don't have those feelings because I usually <laughs> feel them naturally, you know, like right. life is doing that just fine. Thanks. I don't need, uh, I don't need a movie as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Know, <laughs> you know, like I, like the headspace I'm in, it's like, I just would rather either watch something that's so silly or fun, or anything else, because I want to escape the human condition, instead of, like, diving right into the psychological horrors that this, like, a movie like this could bring up. Uh, that being said, it's hard to scare me now. Yeah. In, in, in movie form. You could do it very easily in real form. You go, boo! And I go, ah! <laughs> Why me? You know. Why me? <laughs> you know, that's what Shuffle off this mortal coil. Yeah, it's like I, I said hi. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't like any of it. So how uh, dare you spook me? Here. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this this so this was a movie. You know, we'll talk about it as we talk about it. Um, yeah, and so you know we're gonna get into it uh, as per usual. This is not a recap. This is just our thoughts uh, about the movie and just in general discussion. So if you're looking for a recap, I don't know. There's probably somewhere <laughs> someone who's done it at, a, at some point. Um, and spoilers, spoilers for a movie that came out in 2014. As always, if you have not seen it, please go out and see it before you listen to this podcast. Because I don't know even know how you'll understand what we're talking about without having doing that yeah fair that's fair yeah 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 Fetch me a, a, a sack of marbles i must put them in my mouth so i'm gonna be a no i'm no i'm gonna reach for another hard seltzer instead air the dog yeah. let's go smart Smart, smart, yeah. smart. It's not a good one though. It's like <clears throat> it's, it's not it's not a true it's not like a white claw. So I'm not starting oh? the 
I'm not starting the purge. <laughs> yeah, um, this isn't the starter pistol. <laughs> yeah, it's not the starter pistol. That's that needs to go on the t-shirt. I think um, this is a Vizzy, a hint of pineapple mm. mango. Um, oh, that's just like you might as well just have told me it was labeled flavor disappointment. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I always hate the fact that when it's flavored pineapple or mango or like a combination of those both, it just tastes like coconut. Like someone's yeah. just like, it's it's the same fruit, right? And they're like, oh man. It's, it smells like somebody was making like grain alcohol next to uh, an herbal essences factory. I don't know. Yeah, I can see that. Or like a bit of, of what a uh, body works. Yeah, you, know, you just walk by one of those in the mall and it's just like, it's every fruit that doesn't smell that way possible in like some sort of gel form. But uh, I'm going to drink it because that's what was cold in the fridge. There we go. Oh, I like your, uh, I like your, have you opened it already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had this. Okay. <laughs> or we would okay. not be able to have this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, we. I, I always love to get that crisp bottle opening sound or can opening sound in this case on uh on the old podcast but we'll, we'll next time um wait don't i have that uh hold on it smells like feet nope. and disappointment wrong one <laughs> wrong one i thought i had that uh snap thing uh hold on <laughs> you're uh, leading to label your stuff man. i yeah i mean they're labeled but some of it's i don't even Okay, we have. <laughs> that wasn't even close. It's not even. I, uh. Alright, one more. <laughs> I think I'm just gonna have to delete all these. I swear I, I had a. <laughs> I swear I, I had that. Do you have a Fizzy Friends soundboard saved by any chance? There you go. I'm gonna tell well, you, right? It was worth it. <laughs> yes, but it's it's like the name doesn't make any, any sense whatsoever. It's called Dos. Of in in, uh, okay. Uh, can opening. <laughs> there you go. Now we've solved it. <laughs> yes. So there you go. <laughs> well, that's fantastic, and it was surely worth it. Oh man, that. Well, you know that that. Uh, that 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 sound was the opposite of the entity in this uh, movie because uh, whereas this movie finds you wherever you are, we could not find that sound. It was in between the fizzy friends theme and bacon soda. Um, okay, sure. Well, uh, Why sure. not? Yeah, it's a thing. Um, wait a minute. Acknowledging the fizzy friends theme means I'm acknowledging the fact that it actually exists in our universe versus us being whatever it's well, uh, no, I mean, it did exist. Remember, we were just uh, we were under the the thrall of the Fresca mind control. Oh, that's right. (laughs) That's right. We had talked so much. Uh, nonsense about uh, Fresca that they finally they they turned their psyops division uh, after us right. and we uh, 
Yeah, I mean, like, I listened to it. Uh, I am been working through it with my therapist. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, because, you know, we were, we were, you know, taken over by a uh, mega corporation and made to um, say some marginally entertaining things about soda. So, you know, it's a lot to work with, through. But I'll, I'll get there, I feel like. I mean, it feels like the Fresca entity followed us, and it got us. And um, Yeah. I can, I mean, I can certainly, yeah, I can smell it. <laughs> you can still smell it, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, I always thought that uncomfortable smell was just me. Then I realized my blood was replaced with Fresca. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, that was, that's the part that was the really hardest thing to get over. Getting the real blood back into our body when yeah. it was in the Fresca drained out. Um, and just, uh, this one out, this, this, uh, little bit, we're going to pause real quick. Uh, we're going to totally interrupt the flow and say, this one's for you, Chad. It's the slush at your, uh, in your trash can at the bottom of your trash. I can't even get it right. I can't here, get here, it right. Here, what here, what I am got, I talking I, to him? <laughs> I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Watch this. Fresco, that slush at the bottom of your trash can with combination. Uh, you know, I can actually see why he might think it's called it's combination, but the last word is carbonation, the slush in your trash can, at the bottom of your trash can, with carbonation, because that is, because you know, for regardless of whether you've eaten citrus, for some reason when you have a trash can, it always just smells like bad oranges, mm-hmm. or that's part of the smell, Yep. and sort of that, sort of the scummy, weird, rotted taste, plus citrus yep yep that's right and then you add carbonation and there you've got it you've got um fresca yeah font of fresca just pulls right back out of the trash can you dip a nice glass or beaker or however you like to ingest that shit mm-hmm. chunk it down you're good to go yeah make sure to chew it don't yeah. want to choke on the fresca chunks exactly uh, <laughs> <laughs> gross <laughs> Um, but yeah, there's no, there's no Fresca in this, in this, uh, movie. And that was actually, so the director chose not to put any sort of landmarks or recognizable brands in, uh, in this movie in order to give it a sort of timeless feeling. That's why it exists in this weird situation where there are these clamshell, literal clamshell phones that have like a, a, backlit e-ink screen as far as i can tell if that even is a phone and it's not just an uh, like an e-reader and that everyone drives cars from the 70s and 80s and yet and like some of the tvs are from that area or era but then there's like also contemporary stuff mixed in so that was a purposeful choice to set it in its own sort of unique time frame yeah i mean i picked up on that pretty quickly I also picked up on the fact that I was like, this is Detroit. I've been there. (laughs) You're like, good. I feel depressed suddenly. I'm just kidding. Detroit, you're great. You've been to Detroit? Yeah, of course. Okay, so is it great? I've never been. I love my time in Detroit. That's fantastic. And that's not me saying that to appease the people of Detroit for what you just said. (laughs) Well, I've never been there, so that was just a joke. I'm sure it's great. I had a great time. Everyone was super nice. Uh, Coney dogs are great. Um, it's just chili dogs. Uh, yeah, but, that's that's fine. I'm but I'm, I, I'm uh, 
supportive of chili dogs. Yeah, I went to the two oldest, um, like, Coney dog places in, like, in, in Detroit. Like, they're both on the same block. Like, one's called, like, America's Dog, and the other one's called something else, but somewhat similar. They're mm-hmm. founded by, like, the, the one person opened up one place, and they're like, I can make better chili dogs than you, and then <laughs> went a building, like, not even, like, just, they just went, like, one store over, and then opened up their thing. But both coexist. They're both different. Um, if I could remember the names, uh, I would tell you which one I thought tasted better. Oh, now that um, would be a fun thing to know. Do you remember yeah. at least, like, which, like... If you were standing looking at the shops, was it the one on the right or one on the left that you liked? One on the right. One there you go. Right. See, now, th- whoever is out there who's listening, who has access to the Detroit area or lives in the, de- in the Detroit area, you can stand out in front of these Coney Dog places and you will know, you will have, like, the secret decoder ring to figure out what one John liked more. Yeah, it's the, it's the, the, the squatter longer one. Versus the triangly shaped one. It's the one on the right. I think it's the older of the two. Hmm. I mean, what makes you, it? Is it just a chili dog, or is there something that that makes it you know special? It, it's just like chili, mustard, and onions. Like okay, so classic chili dog fare without the cheese, I guess. Yeah, I don't even know if cheese was an option. To be honest, like I mean, you can go in there. I know they both had fries that weren't very good. Oh, sorry, being truthful. <laughs> but like, you could go in there and sitting on the counter, you tell me, you know, I want four chili dogs, and they'd be like, you know, like maybe like two bucks at the time. I think they were like two bucks a pop. Like, I mean, they weren't terribly expensive. But say you're at the counter and you want more, you just look at the person walking around. And you can put your fingers up and you just put like two. They'll come bring you two more. That sounds awesome. Yeah, that actually sounds like a that sounds like a, a dream. Yeah, like not having to really this for myself. Yeah, I want like a codified like I know exactly what you want. It's not like hey, I'm giving you the peace sign or and you know, does you're like mm, I'm checking my stomach. I had four. I could do two more. You know, like that that was that type of thing. Um, but now Detroit was uh, and just like Michigan or that part of Michigan was great. Everyone was super nice. I went to a fancy steakhouse uh, that was owned by Michael Simon. That was pretty good. Um, but like seeing the streets in this movie and uh, seeing like the homes and like when you're seeing like the dilapidated stuff, it's very much like that. Like you could just be driving down the a road and like just hit like four or five houses that are just in disrepair, you know, boarded up and, you know, like in need because like they have kind of like a different like housing situation out there. Um, but very telltale Detroit, even before, uh, you know, they mentioned eight mile and, um, there was that ice cream shop. And I swear, I remember going by it at one point. There you go. That's awesome. Well, uh, you know, that's, a that's interesting that you have like a kind of a more personal connection to this, uh, to the location where this was filmed. I, you know, I think, I don't know how much the setting really plays into it. It feels like, at least at the start, it could take place at like any town, USA. It well, but I think. I, go ahead. 
Well, I know the uh, you know director writer David Robert Mitchell is from that area. Um, mm. That is why, even though it's timeless as far as to kind of make it confusing, there were choice areas because that's what he was used to. So that's why he showed off the uh, you know the different areas and but a lot of the places, some of the key locations anyway, meant something to him. But yeah, it could have been like without having that kind of. I don't want to even be like inside baseball knowledge, but you know, just knowing that it was there, like it was easy to pinpoint, but yeah, that could have, you know, to some people that could have just been Vancouver. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or like, you know, it actually really, at least those opening shots of the movie really give off a, uh, a Halloween vibe in a way that I thought was really effective. Oh, this, this reeks reeks absolutely reeks um like carpenter like oh yeah a, a he said that like his in his influences for this movie in particular were john carpenter and george romero and i don't even really see the romero all that much maybe i'm just not as like sophisticated enough to to notice where it is but to me it was just like a love letter to carpenter yeah like uh, definitely Love letter to Carpenter and to just a degree, you know, the horror movies from the 70s and 80s. Like, I mean, there's so many just like background characters where you'd see colors. Like, there's this one woman's wearing a sweater that's green and red, you know, like, <laughs> you yeah. know just chilling in the background. The, you know, obviously visiting high school, it just feels like sometimes in one of those movies you have to. Um, the long sweeping shots, a lot of 360 degree shots, which I really enjoy. Um, you know, it's really like a Hitchcock trick. So, yeah. And like, because it's about something that is constantly chasing after you and doesn't stop the way that he uses the camera to like sweep past the same area and like build the terror that way. Either the person is getting closer or they were there before and now they're not. And that, where are they? Yeah, like, you cannot, it's it's funny when, you know, like, most of the time when you're watching a movie, they want you to focus on what's in front of you. In this one, it's very much like you want to see what the people are talking about, but you also want to be observant to see if there's anything kind of coming towards, you know, the uh, the characters. Like, you're just staring to see if you can spot them, you know, spot the entity. I just called it it, you know, but just be just like, where, where it follows. It? Yeah, it follows. I mean, I just thought that tracked. If it was entity follows, I'd call it entity all day. Uh, but yeah, yeah, because it's never clear what it is. It's not. I mean, it's not really a ghost. It, it is just an entity. It is a something. Yeah. It just. Do you want to talk about the entity for a second? Yeah, let's talk about. So I think in a lot of ways, this entity is way more fucked up than the ring. Oh yeah. You know, like this is, this is a curse for sure, but it's so it's worse than the ring. I thought the ring was the worst one, right? Kind of like seven days. I want, Oh, spoilers, spoilers, seven days. (laughs) (laughs) The the idea that someone out there is just like, you know, I'm going to get around to that ring someday. I'm going to watch that movie. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> they're listening to 
this, and they're like, what do you mean seven days? God! I mean, look, I gotta put it out there. Yeah, I mean, no, I get it. It's you funny. know, <laughs> it's funny. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm terrified of just getting like you know the spoiler police on me. Where yeah, it's like, how dare you? I have never watched Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I do not know what a Kalima is. You know, like, <laughs> oh no. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's too different to Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, Temple of Doom. I realize that I'm hungover. <laughs> What's your excuse? <laughs> I mean, I don't have any, but the, I, but people have much lower expectations when it comes I, to me, so I can skate by in that regard. As I was saying it, I literally realized what I said was wrong. So I was like, <laughs> oh, well, fuck it, gotta, gotta just jump in, correct it, course correct it. Anyway, the fucking ring. Seven days, you watch this video, so somehow Samara or whatever has like a video duplication machine. <laughs> you... You watch it, you get a phone call. If you don't do anything about it, you're just increasingly haunted by this person until you're dead. Yep. Fucked up. Just fucked up, right? And the only way to do it is to pass the tape on for someone else to watch it. So then they have, like, you know, it's like a chain letter. This one is the same way. But even if you do that, you're maybe buying yourself, I don't know, like 10 days, 20 days, depends on how far this entity walks. You know, which is probably this yeah. entity's only saving grace is the fact it walks. And it apparently it does inhabit some form of physicality because it can't just, like, walk through walls or anything. So, it has some rules, but the rules are pretty shitty. Um, <laughs> yeah, especially for the, the cursey, uh, the, the cursed person, it, it really, they, they really cover a lot of interesting angles, right? Because... This entity only appears to you and people that you have had sex with and uh, or, or are also infected with this curse, but it can appear as anybody, someone you love, some, someone or someone you've never met before, but only you can see it. And that is just like the, one of the most terrifying parts. It's one of the parts that is used for a lot of the terror in the movie because people don't believe you because you're the only one who can see it. Yeah. Fucked up. And the fact that, yeah, it's only passed through sex. That's the only way you could uh, hand off the curse, but there's like no good way. And I mean, we see it in the film. There's no good way of telling somebody that's what happened. You know what I mean? Like you just can't be like, okay, I know we just had sex. Now this entity is going to be following you. So, you know, pass it along. You know, go share the wealth and hope it trickles down. <laughs> right. It's like all you have to do is have sex with someone else, tell them that this happens, and then hope they are very good at running away. Because basically, all you're doing is is you're creating a buffer between you and the monster, and your buffer is just as big as how many people you can get to to sleep with you, and then how well you can convince them to uh, keep you know running away. Or else you'll die. Uh, obviously, the 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 threat of death is 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 a plenty of a good motivator in and of itself. But it is funny that like the guy in this movie who is arguably the biggest piece of shit, which is the the guy who who tricked um you know who created a false identity and tricked Jay into uh adopting this curse. He w really lucks out more than anybody. I mean, yes, he has to be 
like live with his paranoia his, the rest of his life, but Jay seems like she is better equipped to mm, avoid this thing than anybody else that he has picked. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hugh Hugh is a huge piece of shit. Um Yeah, and Hugh slash what's his real name? Jeff it was, was it Jeff? Jeff, I think. Yeah, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, a super piece of shit. Um and yeah, I mean I agree with you the fact that Jay was better equipped because she wasn't afraid to talk about it. Right? Like I think that was the problem with Hugh was that he didn't have his Scooby gang to be able to confide and to help him fight it. And uh so you know, he took a real cowardly shit heady way to deal with it. And oh my god, that that really pissed me off. The worst part though was halfway through watching it, well not even halfway through it. Right? Like um where was it? I said this better not be some curse bullshit. <laughs> when they started at the movie theater. Oh yeah, when that when I first saw that and I didn't know kind of what to expect, I that part really kind of went over my head. I was just like, "Oh, this guy is weird. What's what's weird about this guy?" Um, but man, it's when you know it and then you see that scene, it it really hits different. It's like, "Oh, this is terrifying." Yeah, no, it was when he said, you know, which one did he, which one did she pick? Cause they were playing this trade places game mm-hmm. and he was like the, the one in the yellow dress. And she's like, are you messing with me? I was like, oh, this is some curse bullshit. I literally wrote that down. Cause it's just like, <laughs> oh, this is going to, she's going to fucking, you know, oh, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to get, I'll be real angry in a minute. And yeah, I was, uh, I got it. Oh my God. Oh, uh, but like this entity is just so, yeah, just so evil. Just yeah. So and, it, evil. and what it does to people is also is just is equally as, as evil. Cause you see this, you see, um, Hugh slash Jeff's first victim. Like that's the cold open of this movie before you know anything about anything. You see this woman or this girl, rather, she's in uh, high heels, and then the rest is just like sleeping attire, like a satin shorts and a top. And she just like runs out of her. She's looking at something that the camera can't see. She runs out of her house, just does a loop. She basically is looping this this ent- entity so she can get a little room between it. Goes back in the house and then just gets out of there. But it's like we have no idea what's going on. All this stuff happens, and then she is like twisted up like a pretzel and just mutilated. And then the movie just kind of moves on. It doesn't go back into that until much later. It's very effective. Oh yeah. No, super effective. And and without even having that context of what that girl's doing, it just is weird. It's just weird. You definitely like, this is odd behavior. Obviously like what understanding what the entity was made me go, Oh, this is the Hughes fucking victim. It has to be. And, uh, you know, he's just trying to share the wealth and just to see that whole roundabout, you know, single take shot, or I'm assuming it's a single take shot with the way they just kind of did that whole 360 round, get you to the Mm -hmm. front of the house, have a run to the car and stuff. Uh, thought that was very shot. Well, but yeah, very initially confusing because you're trying to figure out what's making her so scared while also trying to keep everyone calm. Uh, yeah, because th- now she knows that like 
no one else can see it. And so, and I guess that, you know, because she comes home, well, no, she leaves the house in that outfit. So is like, did she get chloroformed in her bedroom by Hugh? Does he always chloroform people? (laughs) Is like chloroforming people and taking them to the, um, it's a specific building. Uh, let's see. I actually have it in my notes here. It's yeah, the Packard plant. Um, where he uh ties Jay to a wheelchair and and sort of uh, lets her in on all the uh the horrifying details of this curse that he's passed on to them or her. And um, so I'm wondering, is like that's his? Is that his move? Does he do it all the time, or did something else happen to this girl? Because she. She is in a state of dress that that seems like you know she just threw whatever was was on in a hurry. So yeah. it, I wouldn't you know I I don't want to know what happened to her, but um it, it the whole costume and her attitude do give you some hints, I guess. Yeah, I mean she's just pretty much wearing lingerie with uh, red heels on, mm-hmm. which um, initially when I was watching it. You know, I was going, okay, that's that's a that's an interesting choice. I guess you put on whatever shoes you got. Um, mm-hmm. But then I started realizing that the color red was a lot more um, mm-hmm. in the movie. And uh, I'm not sure if I pegged down exactly what it is, but it, I, I feel like it almost signifies that the entity is around. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting symbolism in this movie that it takes you. I mean, I've I've watched it a couple times, a few times, like a handful of times already, and the like each time you get a little, you, you take a little more away. I think uh, from it. Sometimes I don't know if it's all of his symbolism is intentional or if I'm just reading into it. But I think, like you said before, because this movie sort of encourages you to to look in the background and second guess almost everything that is happening at every moment, you do end up like looking for a lot of these little connective details. Yeah, like there's this one shot where Jay and it's like Greg are in the car. Uh when they're they just kind of figure out who uh Hugh Jeff is. Mm-hmm. And they're there and they're just talking through something. And if you were just to pay attention to them it would be fine. But the way that it was framed was just like, you know, a, a, a little off. So I just looked past Jay, and there you see this person just making a beeline right for the car, and everyone in the car is completely oblivious to this. Like that is how close this entity was to them, and that that those were kind of like my favorite type of shots that would wig me out a little bit while watching this. Like, ooh, that's disturbing. Yeah. And they and they he has a lot of fun with that those kind of shots too because they'll just be shots where it's sort of lingering on somebody and the background is in full view and I found myself even though I've seen it already I found myself like searching the backgrounds for where the entity is like it's like surely it's out there but can I see it in this uh, in in this shot mm-hmm mm-hmm exactly. Uh, so, like, as far as kind of like a movie monster, pretty, yeah, pretty creepy, in a in a weird way. Yeah, because it has it has like there are some attributes to it that they don't really totally get into. Which again, I'm I'm super grateful that they don't they don't try to explain. Like, there's no this could easily be a movie where 
halfway through, they go to an occult bookstore and they find some crusty old guy who is just like, oh no, and he brings out a tome and blows off all the dust and he's like, in the ancient blah blah blah, they had this spirit that would blah blah, and you'd just be like, oh, this is dumb. Um, but thank God they never go down that path. Yeah, because that's, that's another part of my problem with a lot of these ghost, like, supernatural based ones, is it's always one of those. Either, like I said, you gotta appease the ghost, or yeah, there's some dude with a Ouija board telling you what to do, and you're like, well, how did you survive it? Well, you know, I read it on a bathroom wall, and I just assumed uh, I'd, <laughs> you know, devote my life research. There's none of that in this, and, and that's actually kind of one of the reasons why uh, I, you know, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll save it for really the wrap-up, but I liked what I was seeing, because it gave me kind of like the grudge vibes, mm-hmm. in, in a sense where it was just like, oh yeah, you went into that house, she is murdered in there, she, you know, her family, she's, you know, she's a curse, that's it, like, there's no way of like, you know, there's no way stopping it. It just is a thing, which kind of sucks because you hope to see, you know, the protagonist make it out. But in certain instances, you're just kind of like, well, it's kind of refreshing. Not everyone but you knew what this was. Mm-hmm. You know, it just existed. Yeah, that's a great point. I And I think that there were some interesting things also in terms of, like, the powers of the entity that they don't really get into, which I liked. Like, for example... Anytime anybody got came into contact with the entity, they had like welts. So it looked, it seemed like the entity's touch was either toxic or hot. And then uh, it was obviously super strong. It could do these these insane uh, feats of strength um, with little to no effort. Yep, and it was invisible, but could be um, attacked. If you kind of knew where it was, but it was not, you know, like, it really appeared like no physical attacks would really do anything to it long term. Yeah. You know, it's not right. Like- it could slow it down momentarily, but other than that, um, it didn't seem to have any weakness. I guess the ending, I, I mean, to me, I think I know what happens at the ending, but the ending, I think, is purposely ambiguous. So, it's hard to it's hard to say definitively what happens, but certainly there I think you can make some fairly good educated guesses as to what as to how it wraps up. But um yeah, there's there was a couple things that I definitely on the uh, on the rewatch that I noticed that I hadn't that I hadn't in, in previous or had noticed in previous watching. And mm. one of those things was Towards the end of the movie, when it's after um, Greg gets killed, uh, there's that part where they have several scenes where they kind of just they set something up and then they kind of leave it unresolved. And one of those is, you know, after that that shit happens to Greg, Jay jumps in her car and she goes driving, you know, just out into the woods and falls asleep on the hood. Then she wakes up and she hears some some voices from down on the beach. So she just goes to the beach. She sees three bros in their speedboat out on the lake. And she uh, she takes off her clothes 
and uh, starts to swim. And then the next scene, when it cuts to the next scene, we just see her. She's totally wet, and she looks like disappointed in herself, and or disappointed about something. And you know, she's coming home after that. And when I first saw it, I was just like, "Oh, maybe she's going for help." But then I was like, "Oh no, she's just she's giving herself some time." Yeah, I I think. Um... My takeaway from it was that nothing happened. Um, like she didn't go through with it. Yeah, that's what I thought initially. But when I saw it again, there's actually two scenes in here which I thought were kind of played more innocently. But how the timeline ends up working out, I'm like, hmm. I think maybe, <laughs> I think maybe she did pass it on. No, I don't think I. I don't think so. I'm just basing it off the T-shirt. Um, so she wears this T-shirt and it has red on it, and I feel like if she wasn't wearing the T-shirt when she returned, that means that she would have passed it on. Interesting. It's it's the like like I said, red was the big color that stuck out to me. Not just obviously for blood, because it's not a very bloody movie. I mean, there is blood in it, but, you know, it's not, like, very viscera-based or, like, just gross for the gross base. Outside of the pretzel, you know, kill, it's pretty mm-hmm. tame. But, so it felt like red was used very sparingly or very purposefully. Like, every time the entity showed up, red would be in the shot in some, you know, in some manner. And the the thing that kind of makes me think that was when Greg, you know, her and Greg, Greg is the neighbor for those listening who wanted the help, but not really help. And, you know, just ugh. he was just horny. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> that was. was pretty much it. Yeah. yeah but, but there's like a undercurrent of horniness that runs throughout this entire movie. But go ahead. Yeah. So like when, uh, you know, they have. And everyone knows it. All her friends know it. The boy who has a crush on her since forever knows it. They all know that he did this on purpose. He was like, I I I haven't seen anything. But when the entity goes to attack him, we get this nice little homage to A Nightmare on Elm Street with her trying to call him to warn him of this impending doom. So that was kind of nice. But she's wearing the shirt with the red like balloon. She uh, Jay goes over to Greg's house crawls through the window, goes upstairs, and we see this woman, instead of the entity took the shape of Greg first, went in, but then we see this woman who might or might not be Greg's mom. I'll it is ass- Greg's mom, yeah. Is it? I just, I don't remember the the uh, piecing those pieces together, who was what, but Greg's there. When you see Jay, the red balloon on her shirt is covered by her hair. The entity goes in there, kills Greg, comes out, it's uncovered again. So it's almost like a mark. Huh. So that's why I'm saying, like, I'm thinking when she's on the beach, you know, she takes off the shirt. She's going to try to, you know, buy her some time. But when we come back to it, she's wearing the shirt again, which makes me believe that she did not go through with it. Hmm. Well, you know what? I like your theory. It's just a theory. And I I want to like I I want to uh, go back to what you said earlier. I think there's a lot to this movie that you can interpret from it, and stuff that maybe 
you will just add to it that isn't there because the director wasn't thinking about it in those terms. Um, so like, I think you, you, you can infer a lot from this movie. If you really want to keep looking at it, I don't necessarily know if all of that is there, but that's just kind of sure. what I picked up. Like whenever I yeah. see red, I'd go, hmm. the entity's there, you know, like, or you're next in line. Is that what red means? You think? I think it's, uh, I don't know if it's your next in line. It is that the entity is on to you or not. The entity is near you is Got when it. you're wearing red. Like it's, Oh, you know, cause that's the thing. The entity walks very slowly that, you know, but it's relentless. If you're sleeping, it's still walking towards you. Nothing is stopping it. So like when red kind of comes into play, is when the entity is like either in the scene, near the scene, or going to be in the scene. Like at some point. That's that's my theory. Yeah. So how that I think that's a really great theory. And I would love I would love to actually go back through the movie and watch it with that in mind. How what I uh the the theory that I came to or how I came to it was just the 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 time the amount of time that the characters are safe from an encounter um, with the entity. Because we have the... Once, like, um, the entity is after Jay, it shows up a lot initially. Because, you know, she's just trying to run away from it. She doesn't understand uh, what's going on. Um, Once, after she goes to Greg's uh, parents' hunting cabin, they teach her how to shoot and everything... And the entity attacks there and she gets hurt and then put in the hospital. And then her and Greg have sex because he doesn't he doesn't really he doesn't he doesn't believe, believe it. yeah. that it's real, right? He doesn't he's just a bunch of attractive women are hanging out with him and he's going to take advantage of the situation. Um but then it's hinted that he goes around and sleeps with a bunch of other people, or at least a few. And it, they then that creates the padding in the middle of the movie because there's a while where she doesn't see the entity at all, and then it finally you know works its way down the chain, and then he gets to Greg, and then she's next again, and then she there's another pause where it doesn't attack for a while, and that's after the boat scene. So that's where that's how I'm generating that part of the theory. I I see where you're coming from with that. I do not trust the passage of time in this movie. Yeah. Because seasons change, you know, like in instance, it's like, you know, summertime and everyone's in their pools, but then the ne- very next scene, everyone's wearing heavy ass coats to go to the theater. Like outside of the fact that you got a few days, like I I'm thinking like what Greg was, they had, you know, relations mm-hmm. and then three days later he was murdered. Yeah, although it's tough, right? Because they she's in the hospital. We don't know how long she is in the hospital. And we don't know where that hospital is located compared to where the lake house was. Because if the entity is walking, yeah. right? What if they were hundreds of miles away? Even if... It, sure. You know, but pace, I think the... Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, the pace in which we see it moving through the film isn't like, you know, uh, a jog. It is truly just like, oh, not a waddle, but it, you know, it walks like I do. 
very slow. <laughs> it's you know? a deliberate pace for sure. Yeah, but I think of... you when you have the scene with Greg after he has sex with uh, Jay, and he is being super flirty with a group of women uh, in the next scene, and they just have that one part, and they just show that, and he's being super obviously flirty. We have to assume that he's padding out the rest of the list, and they may have even talked about it because there's that whole scene where they are where he's with her, and we kind of it's it's playing it's playing off the fact that um what's his name the Paul is super jealous, and so the audio is cut out of the other room. They're just kind of holding Greg and Jay are holding hands. And Paul is just sort of glaring at them, but the audio is out of the the scene, and that's and the previous scene was him flirting with those women. So it's all to me. I'm like, oh, the maybe the dialogue of the scene is just like, hey, you don't need to worry. No, you know, yeah, <laughs> we're di- spacing it out. I disagree with that because it feels like he completely does not believe this is a thing. He was never in view of the entity attacking at the house, as far as blowing the hole, he thought they did, you know, blowing the hole through the door to get at them, um, shooting in their direction, or even seeing her hair get pulled up and seeing Paul get knocked. You know, like, ten feet away, or however far he got fucking knocked back. Um, I think that scene where he's just, like, flirting is just one of those, like, yeah, I got laid type of scenes. And so he's just trying to see if he could ooze his charm or something. But I don't think there's enough time between that and when he gets murdered to pad that out. That's 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 what I, I that's what I inferred from it anyway. Well, I mean, I think that you the fact that you see some Halloween decoration decorations sort of prominently in the scene, sort of where time has passed. Because remember, you have the scene in the hospital. And then yep. you have the scene where Greg is coming over and asking if everything is okay. It definitely sees like there has been passage of time there that is less. It's not a day. It may not be a week, but it doesn't feel like that it's much of a compressed timeline. I don't know. Like I said, I keep going back to the fact that I do not trust time in this movie. <laughs> like, well, I mean, you, here's the thing: you do and you don't because you do trust time. That it's been only a few days, but you don't trust time that it's been a long about a time between certain things, so. Well, it's, put it like this, I can't tell you how many days between when Jay, you know, was cursed with the entity to the end of the film it was been. Was it 10 days, 12 days, 15 days, two months? It's hard, obviously it's not two months. It all feels really condensed in that, but as far as like the season and the seasonality of things, that feels in like purposely skewed, just like the time frame in which this takes place feels purposely skewed with the cars and the cell phone, but the coiled phones mm-hmm. and the CRT TV. So like I feel like I can't I can trust two things. One, Jay is cursed. And the entity is pursuing her. The length of what that pursuit and how long that takes in the passage of time from there to me is only based on something that I know nothing about, which is the distances that she's traveled to get away from the entity in the first place. Same thing with Greg. So she sleeps with Greg. Even if he goes 
you know, and sleeps with one of the girls. What, what does she live like four blocks down? Why are we not hearing about this? Why is it not being called out that someone else was murdered on the, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like those kind of telltale signs would be there to let you know that something else happened versus just leaving you an image. And more, more than likely the director is just saying, you make up what you think happens. But I think what you get is you definitely get her. She's holding a vigil for at least a couple days. Now, if it's true that the, maybe the hospital's a long way away, and that's just the reason why the entity doesn't attack for a while, and Greg gets to kind of settle into, but um, she, like, there's enough time for Greg to be comfortable in his assumption that nothing is actually happening. Um, and I think, and also, one fact that we do know, even though you're right, we don't, there's so many of this, the things we don't know, but we do know Greg is a piece of shit. Yeah, 100%. I'm not disagreeing that Greg is not a piece of shit. So he like, could have easily had relate one night stands with any number of people between the time that he slept with uh, Jay. I mean, sure. I don't think so. But sure. I literally like he's think not was... he's not purposely padding thing cuz you're right. He doesn't ag- uh, uh, he, he doesn't, doesn't agree. Yeah, he doesn't believe it's a thing. He's but just, we see him with like they the director whenever we see him in those small scenes, he's either flirting with people or he's with a different girl all the way we see until he's like joins the Scooby gang. Oh yeah, sure. Sure. No, I get that. I'm just saying that with the scene that is that you're talking about, the part that links from the one to the other, I don't think anything happened. It just because I felt like the only padding was the distance from where, wherever his uh, his parents' houses were to where they are currently located in like Michigan. You know what I mean? Like that. It, it just was the entity has to take some time to walk down there, not takes some time to walk down there, go murder a few other people and work its way back to Greg. Cause that passage of time doesn't actually feel like it's been that long. But like I said, I don't trust time in this movie. So it's hard for me to gauge exactly. Um, it's, I still don't. And I'd ha- definitely have to watch it again to try to get a sense of time of how long this all occurred. Like the amount of days that I could assume that this took place in. Yeah, you know it. It is at least forty-eight hours from when she gets out of the hospital, because she gets out, she comes home, she sleeps one full night because we see her sleeping on the floor, and then um, on the second night she's looking out of her window when she sees Greg enter Greg's house to kill Greg. Yeah, Greg. Um, yeah, it's a Greg. <laughs> it's a great Gregception. Um, so. And so I think to me the fact that the the fact that they have the the part with him flirting with girls after they he has sex with her Jay, it could be just to show to reinforce the fact that Greg is a piece of shit and that he has not changed at all, which would be fine. But the like you you said that this the director puts so many things that have like layers of symbolism seemingly unless he wasn't thinking about it at all and this is just something the editor put in. Um, seemingly he puts these uh, layers of symbolism in and so that's that shot if it doesn't mean that he is then passing it on to other people 
like uh then it seemed that shot seems kind of a little bit out of place i guess to me it i can see that i think it's what you said earlier just to show kind of what a piece of shit he is um right like really there's no one you should fill it kind of just goes back to you know like the entity being able to take it on uh, uh someone you know if it needs to but, but to the people listening at home the entity never really turned in anyone she knew except a couple of times it was just except always except the end at the end and on the beach yeah that was you know it turned itself into her friend yara and that's basically for us that wasn't even for her because we see yara in the background we think that that's just regular yara and then it switches to a shot from behind uh the sh- over the shoulder of jay and yara floats by on a little you know inner tube so we're like oh no <laughs> that's we just saw her. we thought everything was how we, or, you know it was just playing with our expectations yeah not me pretty much anyone who was making a straight beeline towards somebody is like Mm-mm. yeah anyone who's behind somebody walking except yeah. for that one person with the headphones where they're like when they're talking to to Hugh slash Jeff, and he's like, "Do you see that person?" Like, yeah, yeah dude. He's, hey, I mean, that's the you know a way to tell if the entity's around. Everyone's like, "Nah, dog." Except if you have friends who would fuck with you, be like, "Nah, who's there? What?" You know, and just fucking make Hugh go crazy thinking that someone wasn't there <laughs> when they actually were. Um. Yeah. Well, to your point about color and how the the director plays with the color the entity is always wearing white yeah some form of white or you mm-hmm. know or like eggshell or off it also seems like the like i mean i don't know how much the director was thinking in depth i think that i i, I want to kind of reiterate my point earlier i think there are parts of symbolism and things that he's do. He's obviously doing the kind of like key you in, but I think you can get as much out of this movie as you want to. There's that much level of ambiguity. Mm-hmm. And like for the people who were like the entity was portraying, like in a weird way, felt to me like they were also victims that the entity has encountered. So that's like its repertoire. Mm-hmm. It does. It does do that several times. Like on the beach, the that's the woman from the the start, or the girl from the start of the movie, uh, is the one that attacks them on the beach, right? And then there's the uh, the like the woman who is like I thought was just drowning, but was like peeing on herself, and mm-hmm. just looked like in a state of distress, and all that. You know, like it was just like it. The entity was unsettling in that way because it almost felt like they were all victims of abuse in some way. And that's where yeah. I was going like, oh man, this movie is too much for John in hangover mode. Uh. Well, well, I mean, also there's like, I, I was like, what is this director's deal with his mom? Because two of the entity's forms are... Not Jay's, but other people's naked mom. Like, the initial time, or the first time that Jay sees the entity, it is, uh, it has taken the form of Hugh slash Jeff's mom, mm-hmm. uh, but completely nude. And then, when the entity kills Greg, 
it is Greg's mom, and she's wearing a bathrobe the entire team the time until Greg comes to the door and is like, "Whatever, mom." And uh, she had one of her breasts is just out. Yeah, you're just like, what is this entity messing with you, man? But it is. It was like, what is the? Why is there so many naked moms in this movie? <laughs> I don't know. This? I mean, we get naked moms, but then we get old dude, old naked dudes on a roof. Well, yeah, we do. We do get a lot of full frontal dudity. <laughs> yeah, which is it's fine. I was just like, what are? Why are you on the roof? What was your plan there? Like, were you yeah. going to like <laughs> Seal Team Six into Jay's room? Like, you're going to rappel down and smash through the window at this point? Why are you on the roof? Or, (laughs) you know, like, or the, I mean, the creepy one and the, the, the best, like not, uh, jump scare, cat scare, but I was like, okay, that was a cool shot was the tall dude who just comes out of the shadow. That was so scary. Oh my God. For the first time I saw it, I was like, what the hell? And you're just like, oh, come on. Why is he so tall? Apparently like, uh. Guinness Book of World Record twins. Like they're both really? like seven, seven. Yeah. So it's like that's who the guy was. But I was just like, why is he so tall? What happened to this one? Why why is this his choice? Is this his strongest choice? I don't understand <laughs> yes. what this is. But yeah, that one spooked the crap out of me. And yeah, you better believe I would have fucking got out of there too. Um but yeah. Yeah, who, good move. <laughs> Yeah, but, like, who it chose was, like, different, because it's almost like, again, not that we should trust Hugh slash Jeff at all, in everything he knows is just through what he's done and his assumptions. Mm -hmm. And whoever gave it to him told him. Yeah, maybe. I guess, because he doesn't really know who gave it to him, right? He said... He thinks he got it from somebody he had he had uh, a one night a one night stand within a bar. Exactly. So like everything that we know about this entity was given to us by him. So you so it was funny earlier you mentioned something made me think it was like I wonder how many times he's tried to palm this off. Like if it's been if it was just these two occurrences or if it's been more because I mean we see his little fake hideout in that abandoned house with like tin cans and like this very circular layout for the house. So he could get out of there if he needs to get out of there, you know, like I wonder how much observation of the entity that he's had for him to be able to kind of infer these things. Yeah, he must've, well, I mean, when they find that picture of him, the woman that he is with or the girl he's with in that picture is like different than any of the other people we've seen before. So it it we know at least he has two victims prior to Jay, at least. At least, yeah. And good but job. to your point, if he figured out all this stuff, it must be more. Yeah, and good job leaving a picture of you inside a porno magazine. Good job. Um, yeah, weird choice. <laughs> weird choice to bookmark it with that. <laughs> yeah this this weird like abandoned house he's found that he makes his sort of. I mean, he must have done it a ton of times, right? Because he has all this, like, stuff set up. And he has a house that he goes to. He must have victimized, like, tons of people. Trying to just fucking, you know, pass it on. Pass it on. Yeah, I don't know. That's why I'm like, 
Hugh slash Jeff is a huge piece of shit. And most of the guys in this movie are pieces of shit. Absolutely. I mean, it, it definitely it doesn't really shy away from from that aspect of it. And um, a lot of this movie feels like it is about neglectful parents. And I think that that is the, the two examples that they have of that that I think are the most sort of front of mind are there is uh, Greg's parents who or Greg's mom who uh they ask hey isn't your mom gonna freak out i think at one point after he's she's like driving them around all night and he's like she won't even notice and then there is jamie's mom who is also they never shoot her in focus like you only see her in pictures she's only ever shot from behind or out of focus and every time we see her she is drinking and it doesn't matter what time it is. Like she's either drinking wine in the evening or the one the time after uh Jamie is initially um has that experience uh with uh Jeff's slash Hugh. And um it's like in the morning, she's talking to a friend, uh Jamie's mom is, and she's like Irishing up her coffee. <laughs> it's such a terrible thing to say. But I'm part Irish, so I can say it. No. Okay. Good to know. Um, but she, I mean, I didn't is, stop you. Knock yourself out. <laughs> she is pouring Bailey's in uh, her coffee. Um, uh, so I thought that was like, she's obviously her, like her mom is an alcoholic who is completely, you know, either her dad is dead or her dad. I think is her dad must be dead because um, oh, I think her dad killed her, killed himself. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, every time we see the dad, it's the same age. In like or relatively the same look in the two pictures, and then you know at the end when the entity takes on the visage of her dad, looks exactly the same as those pictures versus any right. sort of getting passage time. Yeah, so I just assume that this is how she copes, and that shows why the you know uh, Jay and was it Kelly, um, how they learn to cope with their mom being pretty absent as mm-hmm. well, because, you know, they're do, you know, they're, they're sneaking drinks too. They're doing things. You can obviously that, you know, like Jay has a few tattoos and stuff like that. So, and it seems like your mom does not really give that much of a rat's ass and is there as when she needs to be there. So it's definitely that like absentee parent type of feeling. But I, I think in this instance, where uh, why her mom is so absentee is because I think the dad, uh, you know, took himself out. It is a deliberate choice and an interesting one. Even when the part, you know, after she, you know, Jay has gone through all this stuff and she's just kind of laying in bed. Um, this is the, the during the momentary reprieve that Greg buys her or, or is that happens after they, um, you know, she gets out of the hospital. Um, you know, and her mom is up there scratching her back. And even then her mom is facing away from the camera. Her mom is out of focus and just sort of absentmindedly doing something uh, soothing. And you can tell by the look on Jay's face that it's not working. Yeah, definitely. Jay, who they call her Jay the entire time, but uh, her real name is Jamie, apparently. Yeah, yeah, it's a Play on Jamie Lee Curtis. Has that makes be. sense. <laughs> it has, has to, to be. be. 
Like in the fact that the uh, first, uh, you know, I was looking through the credits, the first uh, woman who died was, or Annie, and that Annie was a friend in you know, uh-huh. the first Halloween. Yeah, I mean, from that to the synth, you know, like orchestrated type of music. It, yeah, it, the synth stuff is just like, might as well have been done by Carpenter himself. Yeah, It's not I as mean, good, I don't think, but it is definitely no. Nah, I mean, it works. I mean, it you know, it works Hell, in the yeah. same way that, you works know, great. Stranger Things, it kind of works, and everything else, it kind of works. It has that, you know, timeless, but while still setting, you know, an expectation in music with it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like I said earlier, this is, like, uh, decadently dripping in Carpenter. Um, which I don't think is a, you know, is a bad thing. I love Carpenter films. You know, Halloween is my yeah, bring it up. film of all time. So, it's great to see someone so well-versed in, you know, building a film like this. Absolutely. Um, so what do you think, what is your take on the ending? What happens in the end of this movie? Um, this one is tough because there's a, there's another moment, right? Like after we see, you know, Jay getting her back scratched by her mom, there's that one thing we cut over to Paul because at at some point Paul and, you know, after they do this whole Scooby-Doo fight at the pool, um, which is the most dangerous, dumbest thing I've ever seen, which, <laughs> you know, I guess that's what, you know, maybe people who didn't really have an idea that they were going to electrocute the fucking entity. Uh, that <laughs> they got the, they got the idea in their head. They must be able, there must be some way to kill it. And so they figure they're going to electrocute it in a pool. And Paul gets this idea by he looks at a picture where uh like it looks at a picture where Jay was in a pool. There's a lot of like stuff with yeah, with water. And he's like, I know a great idea. So they do this idea, they somehow get into this really nice looking pool with no security. They plug in a bunch of electronics around it and they're going to like use her as bait. For the entity to go in and then throw the stuff into the pool um, to electrocute it. Well, that doesn't work. Um, and it wouldn't work. Thankfully, nope. they realize that wouldn't be the case. And also, the entity is super strong, so it just starts like like WWEing a bunch of items into the pool <laughs> to hit Jamie. She really looks like she got hit with some of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's literally a folding chair flies. <laughs> you know? Oh, the chair! The chair! <laughs> oh, God! He's tougher than a $2 steak! <laughs> uh. But, um, yeah, and then, you know, Paul has the gun and starts trying to shoot it, shoots Yara in the leg, which would completely yep. piss me off. And if you've seen the movie Ronin, you know, never the stand on the other side where someone's shooting. <laughs> and then you know in the end they cover it with a blanket it gets shot in the head it dips in the pool and then you know we see red filling you know blood filling up the pool and assume it's there so then jay and you know paul get busy and then we get the comforting scene scene with jay and then we see paul driving in a car where he's taking a look at uh some 
you know, like sex workers. Mm-hmm. And we're just assuming he's like, I got the plan now. I'm going to pass this off. And that's what we could assume happened there. But then at the very end, we see them both walking down the street holding hands. And then you get a person in the background walking, like following them. So to kind of answer your initial question, uh, they didn't kill the entity. He didn't go through with it. And uh, the entity is still following them. So they're just going to learn how to live with it. That That's my guess with the ending. Yeah. That's what I took away from my first viewing as well. Like I said, on the second viewing, I it there are things, there are hints in there that make me think that because again, the they leave it purposely ambiguous, right? With Paul, it's it's he goes up to the the where the sex workers are. He's looking at them and he's considering that he might be able to pat out, you know, spread it around because that's the only thing you can do. So. He was, and he's like, well, you think that he's like, he is devaluing another, like these people's lives. And it's kind of gross. And he, but then he, it, it cuts before anything happens and it looks like he's driving away. So I think the intention there is to hint to you that maybe he didn't go through with it. But after seeing a few of these things, I'm now I'm thinking, I'm wondering because Paul is so clearly in love with Jay and would do anything to, um, you know, to help her out if he did actually drive away without doing anything. I don't, I, I agree with you. I think the entity is not dead. I, there's, there's the, all that blood that she sees in the pool that I think is supposed to let us be like, Oh, it, something different happened. It's something with water happened, but I agree. I think the entity is definitely alive. Uh, and, I- it follow i think it is following it, them at the end yeah i'm just going i'm basing that uh, i i had to rewatch the ending just to make sure i saw correctly but the person behind him was wearing red and there was another shot of red in the scene which led me to believe that yeah no the entity was like right on their um their heels and then the way that they were dressed like they were in black and white almost like skeletons or death. So I was just assuming, you know, like they're just waiting for the inevitable or, you know, something along those lines. So that that's kind of what I inferred from it. Yeah. To me, it kind of read like they, it almost like they were like the, it follows power couple now. <laughs> I mean, like they know what to do and they know how to avoid it. And are they going to, uh, you know, are they going to kind of use other people to survive? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I think like she is a sympathetic character and she does feel regret, especially after she sees Greg get killed. But there's also the fact that like. The reason, like the reason she had that she had sex with Greg to begin with, was it was probably a moment where she's like, "I this is something you know I need some sort of physical comfort, but also this will put a buffer between me and the monster, and that has to be like in the moment you have to be kind of like, 
I do more than anything. I want it to be somebody else's problem for a little bit. Oh yeah. But I, I don't know. I got the whole impression was everyone was in on the fact that they, uh, you know, they bumped uglies, right? Like Paul knew, uh, her yeah, sister well, Kelly knew, you are yes. new. Yeah. Like, I mean, they were referring to it very much as like, well, anything so far, like they were all in on like this plan almost in a way. And, yeah. um, yeah, for sure. You know, it's with an entity like this, that seems unstoppable because it's just very much relentless. Yeah. It feels like the only thing you can do is buy some time. And for sure, they're going to buy some time, whatever way. But for me, it felt very, the ending seemed a lot more melancholy. Not like, yeah, we've got this figured out. It felt very much like, um, kind of, of, it almost felt like accepting of their fate because they knew that, you know, they were still being pursued. Like they couldn't for sure. So that's, again, that's what I kind of pulled from the ending. Yeah, I, I think I, all that stuff makes sense to me, too. And I think that's definitely where I landed on my first viewing. I don't know why this viewing uh, where I was just like, oh, maybe it isn't. Maybe I'm like my uh, expectations for character archetypes are sort of skewing how much of a benefit of a doubt I'm giving certain characters. And I think w- with that sort of. With that in mind, trying to take a different look at some of these characters and what they might do in the situations kind of brought me to slightly more, I don't know, selfish conclusions that these people were making selfish actions, because that's kind of what the entire movie, or at least part of what the entire movie is about, right, is that you, you could just let it kill you, and then that was one less link in the chain. And you could not pass it along at all. But no one makes that choice. And even at the end, they are, they, it does feel melancholy what they're wearing and kind of that they're holding hands. Their facial expressions seem fairly resigned, but they are still, they're still moving. They're just doing it together, which is another thing that people don't do, right? That, you know, you don't have sex with someone, then tell them that this horrible thing is going to happen, and then also help them out. The, you like the, everyone always separates. Even even Hugh says it's dangerous for two people to be around each other. I don't. I mean, it's dangerous for the previous person. He's just speaking of himself. He's being selfish there. So mm-hmm. even in the end, neither Paul nor um, Jamie seems to make the like. They're still making they're making decisions that benefit them as a couple but are still sort of selfish in a way but you know maybe the director doesn't want to give like an obvious forest ending where they would be like they're just sitting on a park bench holding hands the sun's setting and there's someone coming up from behind them like they literally have accepted it and they are just waiting for death that would obviously be like hitting you over the head with that but um maybe that's just like what the kind of story beats i need <laughs> maybe i need i need it to be written uh across the sky and skywriting 
uh, instead of uh, I think the the more subtle read you had on it, which I think you know each sound plausible to me. Yeah, that's I think that's just what I want to get across to the people listening. Um, is that this movie truly feels like something that you get out of it what you want. You can pick up on cues that are there, you believe are there, or, you know, aren't there at all, but you are inferring, you are filling in the blanks. Like, everything is left so ambiguously, it's kind of up to you to tell the story of why this is the case. And, you know, I would say for, you know, David Robert Mitchell here, um, where he was successful is in the fact that he's created something that, you know, follows the tropes, but does it in a way that is refreshing and not typical. Like you said, every, like what I think would kill this movie is if there was an, it follows two. <laughs> yeah. Like, and guess what? There is, is there? Yeah, but uh, this is a ta- sorry. Uh, continue Don't with your me. point. I, uh, no, Don't it's not. No, no, no. Uh, it's actually I, I had the exact same thought, but it turns out it is a parody. <laughs> okay. <laughs> somebody made somebody oh, thought this movie was so big they they made a parody movie, and it's called It Follows Too Slowly. It follows too oh, slowly, Jesus. so. They are making fun of the uh, the sort of deliberate pace of the movie. Anyway, sorry. Ed, please continue. Oh well, good. I'm glad it's a parody and not you know him feeling like everyone's like, well, I need to know what the the entity is. We need more like explanation. The things that are the scariest are the things that are the unknown. It's why I like the Joker's origin. I don't need to know where he's from because then it would humanize him in a way that I don't need. He's scary because he's just this, you know, Harley Quinn of madness causing, mm-hmm. you know, causing strife and pain. And you, you, you don't need to know why he's doing that. You just know he is doing it. Same thing with, you know, the grudge. Yeah. She's pissed. And anyone lives in the house is fucked. That's it. <laughs> That's all you need to know. You know, there's no like, you know, you can't burn some sage to get rid of that. But, you know, it is just a constant. You know how it happened, but you know nothing in which to stop it. And it's the same with this entity here. Like, I would hate for any sort of additional exposition because I think that ruins the magic of what exists in this film. Um, what it is and what you get out of it. You know, like some movies just hit you so much over the head with it where you're just like, oh, Jesus. We get it. All right. All right. Jeez. You know, in this instance, like, yeah, you're correct. At the end, they are walking. You know, they are still walking. They're doing it together. And I think that was a very important, a very important point that you hit on is the fact that she had a support network. Q slash Jeff did not. He greedily and selfishly took it upon himself to try to pass off his problem to someone else. But instead of keeping it a secret, like, you know, Annie did and everyone else did, she told her sister, she told her friend, she told her best friend. You know what I mean? Like these people were willing to, uh, you know, uh, ignore the, you know, the the suspension of disbelief in the fact that there's this, fucking ghost that no one can see is following her and they took it at what she was saying and helped her out 
you know, helped her out as best as they could because that's what that does. And now that Paul and Jay are together, they will help each other. But I think it's still one of those, like, reserve themselves of the fact that they definitely did not get rid of it. And, you know, they only have the time they have. How much that is, it's how much they're willing to run, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's... Whatever, regardless of what it, what you think of the rest of the movie, I think that's pretty clear. Is yeah. that they didn't do it. <laughs> Although, what the reason I ask... Because it, it seems like uh, sort of like stupid to ask that question if I'm so certain of what the answer is. But I think also there are several hints that kind of make you think, well, is it? Because one of this movie things this movie does is it creates uh, so well, I should say, is that it creates a sense of paranoia that has you sort of second guessing every single thing. Every time there's a person in the background. Even and you can only be certain it's the entity when they confirm that it's the entity. All the other times it could be, but the thing is, like you become so paranoid about what's happening, it could or it could not, right? So in the end, there's that person that's following him, and that person is wearing white—a pretty prominent white, but it is very crisp and clean, which is what we never see. The entity is almost always like dirty somehow. And then they're wearing a lot of other colors. And so you're like, is it? It could just be someone walking behind them. But now, just like they are, have to be spend the rest of whatever time they have together totally paranoid about everyone around them, we are also in that state. We have, they have brought us to that state as well. So that person following them could be the entity. Uh, or it is just a person following them. And we don't know and that's sort of terrifying agreed i'm just going with the fact that i know the uh, gardener in that scene is wearing red <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i believe the entity in the back is the or the person in the back is also has a piece of red and like yeah they I have said, a little bit of red on them but that's again that's weird because you almost whenever you see the entity previous they're they're never wearing like multiple layers of clothing it's always just like one it's either to like long johns shorts and a shirt or a dress there's never like it doesn't layer you know it's not getting it's not going to its closet and picking out an outfit and the person that's following them is much more put together than we've ever seen the entity before but again we don't you know it could be it still could be the entity because we don't know all the rules yeah, the, the, you know, the rules or whatever, you know, the director at that point feels like it should be. Um, though Very this, true. Yeah, I mean, this one just feels like he's just like, yeah, I'm totally going to leave it up to you. You figure out what this film is to you, and I'm good with it. That, yeah. That's kind of yeah, like. <laughs> I mean, it just cuts to black after that. There's no after credits. There's no other hints. So it, you're right. It is, it is 100% up to interpretation. These kinds of discussions, I think, are what the director probably intended uh, with a lot of these, these sort of ambiguous facts. You can just, like you said, you bring your own, your, your own thing to it. You take, your, you take away kind of your own uh, conclusions because there's a, 
there's a lot of ambiguity, but not enough to where the movie is just like frustratingly opaque. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, awesome. John, did you like this movie? Yeah, it was all right. I mean, (laughs) you know what? You know what, David Michael, what's your name, director guy? You did all right. You know what, David Robert Mitchell? There you go. You're pretty okay. <laughs> Someday that is going to be as good as the uh, the Oprah book club st- <laughs> sticker. Yeah, I mean, so I I mean I enjoyed it. It definitely is one of those movies that I probably would have never watched if um, no one recommended it, or I didn't have a podcast where I talk about such things. Um, so in that instance, I was surprised. I thought it was very well acted. Um, I was very well shot. Uh, I thought the soundtrack was great. The entity was completely fucked up, um, in a way that makes it terrifying, but not like the obvious, well, and I guess in somewhat of an obvious way, but in not like the normal, because it's been ripping people in half you know, up right. and down, like the byway to get to you type of thing, like where no one mm-hmm. is safe. It's just, you're not safe. Um, I definitely believe there's a lot you can infer from whatever you want to infer from it. Um, it can get to a real dark place. If you do that, I think real quickly, uh, or you try mm-hmm. looking for it. So there are layers. I just don't know how many of them are true, how many of them are made up and how many of them are, you know, completely non-existent uh i would watch it again um especially since i watched it this time i could only watch it the once and i had to take notes so i didn't get you know i was trying to type on my phone as i was watching this on the tv so that didn't that wasn't the best i I think i'd give this another watch um yeah not 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 a bad movie all the guys in it are bullshit and uh that's it there you go yep uh, as per usual, John, you have hit it right on the head, and uh, pretty much that's echoes my feelings I- exactly. Is it the greatest horror movie of all time? No, but it, it's great. It's like a fun original horror movie, and there are so few fun original things out there that I definitely. I mean, if you're getting to this point to see if you could, should take a look at it or not, sorry, the movie is ruined for you. It's not going to be that great to watch. Uh, maybe to give it a try if you want, but whatever. I, um, I, yeah, I think. Ahead. No, I was just going to say, I definitely think. I mean, even look, we talked about it. Give this shit a watch. It's it's deserving of its praise that it's gotten. I think mm-hmm. as far as a modern, you know, like horror film, it does a very good job. Like a, a lot better than some of the other ones that they put in the same realm as this, like those conjuring movies, get out of there. Oh, those are, those are not my favorites. Um, <laughs> no, like yeah, you want like a spooky me. ghost story. Watch this one because it's fucked up. You know, it's not a ghost, you know, specter evil thing. It's, it's, it's fucked up in that sense of always impending dread, never knowing exactly if anyone is safe. So Absolutely. And, you know, much like the best sort of horror movies or the best kind of movies out there uh, and the uh, the entity in this movie 
the the sort of feeling of this movie follows you after you have uh, finished it, and you uh, definitely it it is something that um, begs for analysis and and revisiting. Um, but the one thing that's uh, not begging for analysis and revisiting is the show because it's over. That'll do it for us this week. Um. As always, we like to get a little bit of business done before we wrap things up. Uh, if you'd like to join in on the discussion, do you have some thoughts about It, Fo- it Follows and you want to share it with us? I mean, are we going to listen? Like, I still just have to find out. You can contact us at Twitter and at Instagram at the Pop Saga. And if you want to get us in touch with us via email, you can do that to thepopsaga at gmail.com. Thank you so much to Burton M6 for our, our incredible theme song. If you'd like to support him, you can check the show notes for the link to his Fiverr page. If you'd like to support us, there's also a link to our merch page in there. It's the best way aside from telling a friend about the show and insisting they watch it, that you can support our podcast and ensure that it continues to be made well into the future. So, from all of us to all of you out there, we hope that you're happy, we hope that you're healthy, and we'll see you next week. Entity, if you're listening... I suggest you stay at least six feet behind me because I am known to crop dust a person from time to time. Saga, you know we keep it groovy. We talking cartoons, books, TVs, and movies. A couple of nerds, but got style. We so cool. Pop culture, talking new and old school. Yeah, you should know we love hip-hop. From the roots, Ty live. Shout out to Feral Munch. We giving you what you want. It don't get no liver. Ain't no doubt we gotcha. This is Pop Saga. Let's go. Oh yeah, you heard right. This is a lifestyle. Welcome to the nerd life. Pop Saga.